told them that I was going to focus my attention on trying to just be there with them, not just, you know, because a lot of times I'm in, the, in their midst, but my mind is not really there. So this time I really tried to be, uh, to have my mind there so I, can spend, uh, so I can spend some quality time with them. And I did. And uh, I want to say for the record, um, some of you all know me that I'm rather somewhat competitive. I've been known to win at almost everything that I do. Uh, I did. Okay, I'm just kidding. Y'all, y'all, can, y'all can laugh. It's okay. Uh, and uh, we, uh, I like that game Monopoly. And, uh, and a lot of folks don't like it because it takes a while to play it. Uh, but uh, I would have you know that all three times we played, I, I won. And so, uh, so I don't know if there's some anointing over that or some God is communicating. I don't know. Uh, but I think Monopoly is, is I believe that's going to be one of the games God's going to have in heaven because I play it so well. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you all ready for the word this morning? Well, let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you so much. We love you. With everything, with everything that is in our hearts, we're asking, Lord, that you would impart to us wisdom, revelation, and understanding. We love your word, God. We, we love your word. Your word brings life. And so this morning, God, I pray that every heart will be wide open to what the Spirit is about to say. And, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We love you. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do me a favor to stand to your feet, and we're going to read the word of the Lord for those of you who can or who want to or feel like it this morning. I'm going to read uh, kind of like our anthem of a verse for our series. Uh, we're in our house cleaning series. This is part number four of our house cleaning series. How many of you have been enjoying the series so far? Amen. Amen. You feel like you're growing, you're learning something? Is your house getting cleaned up? Hallelujah. I hope so. We're going to start in Romans chapter 13. We read the same verse last week, but it's all really kind of based uh, on this concept, this particular passage of Scripture. So we want to read it again. Uh, Romans chapter number 13. I'll begin reading in verse number one. Uh, If you like, you can follow along on the screen or if you can read your Bible, that's just okay as well. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. 
Hallelujah. Uh, just by way of recap, last week we had talked about authority. And we had talked about various aspects of authority last week. Uh, we talked about authority in a general sense. We had concluded that all authority comes from God. That we understand that authority is not a man thing, it is a God thing. We also concluded that a world without authority would be complete chaos. Amen? Uh, can you imagine that we had no authority structure in our, in our countries? And you ever heard, how many of you have ever heard of, a, of the terminology Marshall's Law? Uh, Marshall's Law, when there is no law, there is no structure. How many know it could be a whole host of problems that can derive from that? And so we talked about how God had established authority to bring order uh, in the world. We concluded that God has called us to submit. We talked last week about submitting to our employers, our bosses, those bosses that we all love. Uh, we're told to submit to them even when they don't treat us right. How many of you had liked that last week? Did you like that? No, nobody liked that. But I'm just here to preach the Bible. That's it. So you take it up with God. Hallelujah. We talked about last week, we just kind of touched a little bit on uh, wives and uh, their call to submit to their husband. We talked about how authority uh, is under severe attack, uh, even as it relates to, obviously, our, our marriages. And we understand that as believers, that marriage was something that was instituted by God. Amen? Marriage was not something that was created by man. It was created by God. And so we talked about how that we're supposed to function in our relationship uh, as husbands and wives within the context of the marriage. We also talked last week very briefly about uh, our responsibility to pray for those who are in authority, those who are our leaders, even if we don't agree. Now, how many know that uh, uh, we live in a very polarizing nation, a very polarizing country? And no doubt that we all have disagreements uh, in our political system. Uh, if we don't agree with somebody, we can get rid of them. You know how to get rid of them? We can vote them out. Uh, and so, so we're called to, to be those who respect and obey authority, uh, and we are called to pray for those who are in authority. Not necessarily to, to pray uh, against them that God will bring some harm on them, but to pray that God will open their eyes to truth. How I many know we want truth to reign? And I mean, a lot of our governing authorities today, they're just walking in darkness. They need to see the light of the gospel. And so the Bible says that we believers are the light of the world. So if we're the light of the world. Then we should be the ones that are praying, calling out, calling out to God on behalf of our nation. And we should not, we should spend less time slandering and fussing and yelling and more time on our knees praying. Amen. And so. So today we're going to change gears a little bit. We're going to talk about authority, but we're going to talk about authority within the context of the local church. Now, I sat last week and I had alluded to this, that, that inevitably, uh, you know, this is somewhat of a um, uh, sensitive subject, the issue of authority. And it's sensitive for a whole host of reasons. And uh, within the local church, authority is something that um, we have to be honest about, and that, and that is this, that we have a problem with dealing with authority, even in the local church. Um, many of us have witnessed or heard of or been a part of 
the abuse in the local church. We see all the time. We see uh, televangelists and we hear of all the negative stories and and uh, how these leaders abuse their authority. They use their authority to exploit people, uh, to harm them, and they use their authority for their own gain. And we see all of that. But I'm a firm believer that uh, most most of God's leaders, and I want to say it that way, most godly leaders have within their hearts the best interest of the people that they serve. You know how sometimes you see something on TV, you know how the media is good at taking something that's somewhat negative, and they paint a broad brush and say, well, everybody's like that. And so what happened is you have a bad experience then your temptation is to kind of shut down, and then the next experience you have, you're a little bit more, you're more hesitant, or in some cases, you'll go to extreme and say, well, you know what, I will never, ever, ever, uh, you know, submit or allow myself to be under the authority of anybody uh, who is in that particular role in the local church because, you know, of what happened to me. And so we don't want to be people that throw the baby out with the bathwater. We want to be people to understand that that authority, and this is this is so important that we really get this in our souls. That is something that was given to us by God, and if God has given, if God has given us something, anything that God gives us is for our good. Amen. So He doesn't give us anything that's going to harm us. God doesn't give us anything that's going to make our lives, or it's not designed to make our lives worse, but to make it better. And so, good godly leadership is in the interest of the church. Good, godly leadership is in the best interest of the church. We must understand that ultimately, all authority is directed back to God. That is to say that no particular person, no man, no particular individual is the authority. God is the authority. Say that with me. God is the authority. Say it again with authority. God is the authority. But we also must recognize that delegated authority is biblical. You remember the story, and I'll give you both Old and New Testament examples. You remember back in the Old Testament when uh, Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law, how Moses was such a servant of God. And if you go back and you study the life of Moses, Moses had some folks that come up against him and God had to deal with them. That's a whole nother story. But Moses was was so committed to the ministry that God called him to do that he would sit down all day long and everybody, these were about a million people or more, probably, probably closer to two million, that these people, everybody who had a conflict and a problem, Moses would sit there day and night and he handled every one of their conflicts. Finally, Moses father-in-law came in and said, came over and said, Moses, you're going to wear yourself out. And, and, and Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law, gave him some great advice. He said, look, what you need to do is find some folks with you that can lead with you and that can help you through the process. And so Moses began to set up companies of 50s and, and all these, uh, uh, he set up some great leaders and elders to help lead and shepherd the people. In the New Testament, you find in the book of Acts, that the apostles in the early days of a church, there was a problem with church administration. Some of the Jewish people were being neglected. And so the elders of the church 
they had summoned together, they appointed seven people full of the Holy Ghost, people full of wisdom, and some of us, uh, they are known really uh, as the first deacons. These, uh, these are men that were equipped and they were called to help serve the daily interests of the church while the elders stayed uh, praying and stayed committed to the word that they set aside delegated authority, people that will help carry out the work of the church. And so we understand that this is not, this is a concept that you can study the entire Bible. Everywhere you look in the Bible, Old, New Testament, you can see a line of authority all throughout the Bible. Everything that God does, he's always had some kind of structure to it. Amen. Amen. Good. Amen, amen, amen. And so we want to answer a few questions today. Uh, we're going to take you to the word of God. And that my prayer this morning is that you really uh, ask God to reveal to you uh, what he would have you to know this morning, that he will open your eyes to truth. Because I want you, and I said that to say this, I want you to get rid of all your preconceived notions and ideals. I want you to let your guard down. Now, I know that's, that's deep, right? Because some of you say, no, I ain't let my guard down. I don't know what you might do. I'm asking you, you've been following me for a little bit. I'm asking you to let your guard down a little bit, just a little bit, and give us a chance here. And I say us, we're going to look in the word. Because nothing I will tell you today is going to go against what God has already said in his word. In fact, it's going to promote it. Because how many know God's word is the final authority? And that's why we always tell you all the time, go to the word. You will hear that until you turn blue in the face. Even when we study this weekend and we start our new series this week, we talk about Christianity, cults and religions, that it's going to be powerful. But, you know, ultimately what those hosts, those uh, those uh, teachings will do, they're going to drive you right back to the word. You are safe. You hear me with the word. You are safe from deception. When you know the word, you are safe from manipulative leaders. When you know the word, you are. Listen, when you know the word, it will set you free. It will keep you on a pathway of freedom and protection. And so I want to ask you to let your guard down just a little bit. And we're going to answer. These are some of the questions we're going to answer. Keep in mind, we're talking about house cleaning. And so we've been talking about cleaning our own house so that we can be the people God wants us to be as it relates to our witness to the outside world. So here's a question we want to answer this morning. What kind of authority does God invest in the leaders of his church? How should church members respond to church leaders? How should church leaders exercise that authority? And what are the key qualities of godly church leadership? So these are some of the things you want to answer this morning. Well, let's turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter number one, verses 12 through 18. Colossians chapter number one, verses 12 through 18. And I'm going to make a statement right on the onset that's going to shock you. All right. Let me know when you're ready. Y'all can talk this morning. Y'all, Is everything okay? All right, y'all just, I know what it is. You're in the word this morning. You're really getting there. All right. <laughs> Christ, so here's the statement. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Look at verse number, chapter 1 in Colossians, verses 12 through 18. Giving thanks to the Father who has 
qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He, talking about Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood. Hallelujah. The forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in what? On the what? Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and what? For him. He is before all things and in him all things consist. Hallelujah. And he is the what? He is the what? Head of the body, the what? Church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So we understand that Christ is the head of the church. No person, it is Christ. Listen to me. Anything, let's just, say, let's just, let's just bring it home to where we are in church. Any church or any ministry Christ should always be the central focus. Do you hear me? Anytime that Christ is not the central focus in a, in, a, in a ministry, in a church setting, amongst believers, how many know something is wrong with that? It is all about Christ and not about an individual. Of course, I would like to think I'm all of that in a bag of chips like most of you, but how many know we're not? The church is all about Christ. He is the head of the church. So anything that we do, we want Christ to be the center. We want Christ to be the focus. This is how some people get in trouble. You know, many years ago, I remember that I, I had put a lot of trust, and I didn't even realize it, in a particular individual. And, and one day I was driving my patrol car down the road. I'm just driving, and, 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 and God just spoke to me about this particular preacher that I listened to quite a bit. And God just spoke something in my spirit. He said, what would happen if this guy failed. What happened if he blew it? And for the first time, I was confronted with like, oh, what would I do? And I remember just, just thinking to myself, impossible, can't happen, can't, no way. And, you know, and you know, like maybe two or three weeks later, I heard that he was divorcing his wife. And I remember thinking to myself, wow. And what God was bringing me back to is that, that we need to put our trust in Christ. Do you hear me? Man will fail you every time. That's not to say I'm going to fail you. There's something going on with me. It's not. Okay? But I'm just saying to you that Christ is the head of a church. We are to put our whole focus and our whole trust in him and him alone. Do you hear me? So he is the focus. Ephesians 5.23. I think we have that verse. Do we have that one? Ephesians 5.23. You can turn there real quick. I may not have given it to her. But if you, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and jump over there real quick. Ephesians 5.23. When you get there, say amen. The first amen I get, I'm gone. Okay, go. I'm gone. 5.23. And I'm getting there too. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the what? Head of the church. And he is the what? Savior of the body. See, this is getting good. I love this. Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior. See, the church is like a body 
that gets all its nourishment from the head, who is Jesus. Without him, how many know there would be no church? That Christ is the savior of the body. How many know that when you, listen, when you and I share our faith with somebody and they decide to give their life to Jesus, you know who, you know who did that? It wasn't the person that led them to Christ. God was the one that saved them. Come on, somebody. It wasn't an individual. You see, you see the, the work to God, see, the Bible says, watch this. The Bible also says in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love, you can write it down because I got to keep moving this morning. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. So our ultimate goal is to please Christ and to serve him. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So that means that nobody can brag about what's going on. If Listen, if a, if a minister happened to have a ministry and he got ten to 15,000, he can't brag about that. Because it has really nothing to do with him. It's a God thing. Look at the name. It says it's a God thing. It's a God thing. If people get saved, we, you know, we, we baptized some folk last week. But how many know that's the work that God, the work that God is doing? And, and for example, in the Adams, that's not a Pastor Bailey thing. That's not a Sister Diver thing. How many know that's a God thing? God works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so everything that we do in our ministry, we want to make sure that Christ is the focus. Because when Christ is not the focus, that's when all kinds of trouble happen. Do you hear me? That's when people get in trouble. That's when people go off the deep end because Christ wasn't the center or the central focus. And so what we do as believers, we come together, we worship and we make sure that Christ gets the highest praise because it's all about him. Well, let's keep moving. Secondly, now some of you may not want to make another profound statement. Some of you may not realize you are all priests and ministers in the body of Christ. Now, I, I want to drop that in your spirit. We are all, if you're saved today, we are all priests. And ministers in the body of Christ. Now, many of us relegate ministry to only a person that's been ordained in the pastorate or, or, or do what I'm doing. But do you look at yourself as a minister? How many of you go on your job and think, I'm a minister right here? How many of you come to church even think of yourself as a minister? You don't, do you? Because, because somewhere along the line, the church has not done a very good job in explaining to us, the people of God, the lay people, per se. And I don't like that term. I don't like that lay people thing. But the church hasn't done a real good job at explaining who we really are. Because when you realize who you really are, when you ever get a revelation of who God made you, who he created you to be, you know, you, I, you, you will not be walking around depressed, head hanging, hung down, talking about what I'm going to do next. The Bible says you are all priests of God. Now watch this. But well, some of you are saying, well, pastor, show me in the word. See, if you're saying that, that's good. 
because now I know you're, you're with me. Amen. Now, y'all got to smile. Y'all got to help me out. You can't be super duper quiet today. Say amen. Talk to me. Something. Let me know that you're home. Thank you. I got one. All right. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2.9. You get that? You can say amen. All right. 1 Peter 2.9. Watch this. Watch this. I love this scripture. But you. Now, look at your neighbor and say, that means you. <laughs> okay, you ready? Now, but you are a chosen generation. Isn't that awesome? God chose you. I mean, think about that. Just, just, let's just chew on that for one minute. He says, you're chosen. You're chosen. Out of all the people on the planet, of all the billions of people that ever walked the planet, God chose you. You're talking about some amazing love. <laughs> he chose me. I mean, one of the first things I, I want to ask the Lord, why did you choose a wretch like me? How, why did you choose me? Why did you even think about me? Oh, I mean, no, that that in and of itself ought to make us get on our knees and cry out and say, Lord, thank you that he chose us. But here's what he says. He says now that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. What are we? A royal what? Priesthood. A holy what? Nation. His own special people. Did anybody got any self-esteem issues? Did you need to get this? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Chosen, called, God said, you're mine. I look at my wife every now and then. I said, no, but people need to know you belong to me. We had the beach out there. I saw a joker looking. I said, I said but don't even try to keep you. Don't even look that way, bro. She's mine. Men, why I love to hear when you look at them and tell them that. They love to hear you say that. Don't you wives? Yeah, you like that. I said, yeah, you're mine. See, God says, God says, you're mine. You belong to me. You're special. But he made us royal. He said, we're a royal priesthood. Now, now you got to understand what that means. Because, see, you, you got to understand that in the Old Testament that, that, that they had the priests. The priests were the only ones that could go and minister to God on behalf of the people. The people just couldn't walk up and just say, I'm going to worship God today. They just could not do that. They had to bring animals. They had to go through a mediator, which was the high priest, and they were the ones to go on behalf of them to represent the people to God. So in other words, people had to go through the high priest. Now I want you to think for a moment. Now, you couldn't even go and worship God unless you first had to bring some turtles, some lambs you had to sacrifice. And then and then you, you couldn't even you couldn't go beyond the veil. The Bible said the high priest would go once a year, the great high priest. And he would minister for the people because the, the people couldn't do it. They couldn't. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene. The scripture said that when he died, the veil was ripped wide open. It was torn. Now the Bible says in Hebrews that we can all now come boldly to the throne of grace. 
So now you don't need nobody. Now here's the problem I have with some of my brothers and sisters in some of the other faiths or other belief systems that we don't need to go to a man to confess your sin. See, that's the beauty of what Christ did. So you don't have to go and say, you know, like, like some, some people still think that way, that, that in order for me to be right with God, I need to go confess to the priest. No, you don't. He said, if you've been covered by me, if you gave your life to me, if you're my son and my daughter, you can come right up to the throne of God yourself. People say to me all the time, pray for me. I say, I'll pray for you. Because I do pray for I pray for you every day. But here's what I also say. But you know, you can pray for the Lord yourself. He says, you could go, let's watch, watch this. He, he says in Hebrews that we can go boldly unto the throne of grace, that we might find help in time of need. So, so the Bible says, watch this. For there is, this is, just write this down, 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. And who is that man? Christ Jesus. Oh, somebody, don't be going telling me I got to go confess. To no, you can talk to God right where you are. You can be driving down the road in your car. You can go right into his presence. You can just be walking to the grocery store. You can go right into his presence. His, listen to me. You can go 24 hours a day because the Bible says that he don't sleep and he don't slumber. We can reach him anytime we want him. So for those of you who are night halts that have a problem going to sleep at night, you can talk to God. And you can go right into his presence. Royal priesthood. A holy nation. So we're all priests. And listen, listen, listen to this. Revelation 1, verses 5 through 6. Listen to this. You can write this down. And from Jesus Christ. Oh, I like this. The faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead, hallelujah, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Boy, you get me bragging about Jesus. I can just go on and on and on. I just love bragging about him. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins. How I many you know you've been washed? In his blood and has made us kings and priests. Hallelujah. Who do you know who you are this morning? Do you know the authority that you have? Hallelujah. He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. So we're all priests of God. We're all priests. That's what you get to hear the term, the priesthood of believers. That we, that, that we can talk to God. We can go directly to him. That's a gift. I want to, I want to encourage you to use it often. Go to him often. Because Jesus died. He purchased you with his blood so that you can go in and out as you please. But just go with a little respect, will you please? Come on. Just can't walk into God's presence any old kind of way. You ought to walk in his presence knowing that he's God. And he's in charge of your breathing, right? So let's not be stupid. Not that any of you are. Y'all know I didn't call nobody stupid, right? I said, let's not be that way. Because somebody said, Pastor called me stupid. I did not. <laughs> now watch this. I said every Christian is a also a minister. Look at the... First Peter 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. For those of you who have your Bible, watch this. First Peter, verses, chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Oh, I got to run. As each one has received a gift. Now, you know, every believer, watch this now. You have a gift. You have a gift. The question I want to ask you this morning is, 
as we go on, because I'm going to give you a second to find this. This is, we, we, we said the what? First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. Every, every one of us have a spiritual gift. Do you not realize that your gift that God has given you is not for yourself? Some of y'all are some gifted people. Some of y'all are like multi-gifted. Some of y'all got like 10, 15 different gifts. You just bubbling over with gifts. But to whom much is given, much is what? Uh-oh, got to keep reading. Here we go. As each one has received a gift. So who, uh, the Bible says as each what? One. What does that mean? Does that mean everybody? I'm talking about believers, right? I mean, just help me out. I mean, maybe my interpretation is wrong. He says now, as each one has received a gift, minister. Do what? Minister it to what? One another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks like I'm doing, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability with God supplies. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And so all of us have a gift and you are called to minister the gift that you have. However God has equipped you. All believers are ministers. You need to look at yourself as a minister of the gospel. And we need to break the paradigm shift. Well, the only person that's a minister is the one that's standing behind the pulpit. I had an old preacher tell me one time, the guy who married, well, he didn't marry me and my wife. He actually gave us marriage counseling. He said, that, he said to me, I never forgot, he's dead now. He said, he, said, your, he said, your pulpit is at the ear of every unbeliever. Your pulpit is at the ear of every unbeliever. People say, well, I want to preach. God called me to preach. God called me to preach. Well, how about just starting with the folks that don't know Jesus? Why you got to always have a bunch of people? Why don't you just start right where you're at? All of us are ministers. Look at your neighbor and point to him and say, you're a minister. And then say this to him. Say, now please act like it. Now, watch this. Now, let's, 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 let's take a shift. Now, watch this. So, so here's what we've established so far. Here's what we have established. Christ is the head of a church. We don't have any disagreements there, right? Christ is the head. And that's the way we like it, and that's the way it's going to stay. As long as I'm pastoring this church, I mean, no, it's going to stay that way, I can assure you. If it's not, then some people in here will make sure it does. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's what I, I like that, brother. So we've established that we're all priests and ministers. Okay? All believers are priests and ministers, the priesthood of believers, as we would say. Now let's look at those called as leaders. Now let me just say this before I go into this, that God has never, ever intended that his church, the congregation, the people of God, the church, that, that the ministry is a one-man show. All right? Never. We're the body of Christ. So we're in this together. Too, so many of us, we, there's a disconnect. 
And it's so easy to walk away and say, well, that's their problem. No, we are in this together. God has never, ever intended the church to be a one-man show. Never have. In fact, when you, know, when you study the scriptures, and we believe in our church in a plurality of elders. Our church is a young church, and so we are establishing elders. Because the biblical pattern is that there was always, in the New Testament, that there were always elders, plural, that led the church. Always. So whenever, whenever the Apostle Paul, even when he dealt with leadership, he would call the elders. It was always in a plural sense. Now, that should make you happy. Because there's some built in protection there. Amen. Because how many know everybody need to be what? It's, we start with an A. Everybody. I don't care. I don't care. How popular you are, I don't care how, if you're a doctor, PhD, uh, whatever you got going on, everybody needs to be accountable to somebody. Amen? So God never intended that to be the case. Now, I'm going to make another, state, uh, another statement that obviously is biblically correct. Now, have anybody found me to be biblically inaccurate so far? Speaking out forever, hold your peace. I'm moving forward. Here we go. I'm about to make another radical statement. Although there is equality as children, heirs, and priests and ministers, which is what we are, some, everybody say some, not all are called by God to serve as leaders. I'll say that again. Although there is equality as children, heirs, and priests, and ministers, some and not all are called by God to serve as leaders. Look at Hebrews chapter number 13, if you will. We're going to give you a few verses that kind of drive home the point. Because there are some who would take the issue of the priesthood of believers too far. And what, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, there were some who say, well, since we have the priesthood of believers, they, they kind of look at that to suggest that somehow the priesthood of believer uh, uh, some ca- somehow alleviates my, uh, the responsibility to have authority within the local church or the community of believers. The problem with that is, it's unbiblical. It's unbiblical. Now, now, Pastor, why, now, now, Pastor Gary, why are we talking about this? Because this speaks to the life of the church, and this is where most folks live. This is where most folks live. Now watch this, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 7. So even though we understand that we're priests and kings, we understand that Christ is the head, we also understand that God has appointed some to serve as his leaders in the local church. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it reads this way. Remember those who rule over you. How many of you like that word, rule? Strong word, in it? Who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith, what? Follow. Consider the outcome of their conduct. Now, that word rule, it's not really a bad word. It just sounds bad because people have just done it. When we think of rule, we know what that means. A lot of people rule. They just get, like, out of control. You know, we talked about that last week. Some people get a little bit of authority. They get promoted. You know, it happened in the church. You know what happened in the church? People get called to a certain officer or something in the church, and all of a sudden, man, it's like, I got the rule now. Get the whip. Where you at? Coming to you. Ding dong. Why you been to church today? What's up? 
Now, we're going to ask you that. We're supposed to ask you that. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. But how I many know there's a balance? The rule means, watch this, to preside, to govern, and to lead. Rule has nothing to do with force. Amen? Christ never forced anything on people. He wasn't out there forcing people to do anything. Christ just led. He just went about doing good. The folks he did jump on the most was the establishment. But when Jesus interacted with people, he just led them. He loved them. He cared for them. And he said the son of man did not come to serve, but to what? Be served. Jesus, I am. He says, I'm your master. And he got down. He said to the disciple, I'm getting down to wash your feet. If I can do this for you, you ought to do that for one another. Jesus was a servant of people. And he said, if I've been your master and you consider me great, then look at my example. I serve. Then you ought to do the same thing for one another. How many of us get into a habit of serving one another? How many of us love, love, how many of, of church people just love, you know, when we think about God's blessing, what, do we actually think, first and foremost, ah, I want to, God, I can't wait to serve you today. I want to be your, I just want to serve you and make your life better. I'm here for you. What would the church be like if we thought that way toward one another? I want to serve you. Now watch this, and watch this. So he says, obey those that have the rule over you. Those who have the responsibility of teaching doctrine, because he said, because they've spoken the word over you. These are people that are within the context of the local church. They have authority that have been given to them by Jesus Christ to teach, to lead, to guide, and to govern. The calling there is to imitate their faith, which means that real true leaders lead by what? Examples. We're to be an example to the flock. And then, and then those who are following that leadership, is, they're called to follow their faith, to watch their life. Everybody in here, you should be able to look at me or anybody else or the Hubbards and look at our lives and say, okay, is that a life consistent with what God says in his word? Because you're under no obligation to follow anything or anybody who veers off the pathway of Christ. You hear me? If they veer off the pathway of Christ, then you better veer too in the opposite direction. And so, so clearly we see that, that, that God has established. He says, remember them that has a rule over you within the context of the local church. And look at this. Watch this. Hebrews 13, 17, because you're already in Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse number 17. Watch this. I know y'all love this. Um, this particular word is going to come up again. Somebody say, ouch. Here we go. Obey those who what? Come on, say it with some authority. Rule over you. And be what? How many of you like that word? I'm going to ask a question. That demands that, that, that's like a response. <laughs> How many like submissive? I'm just saying. See, I got somebody that's just completely honest. Hallelujah. Watch this. But see, and, and you know, submission is not submission until it's tested. Submission is only tested when something is asked of you that you don't want to do. You know, if you're in agreement with somebody, 
and you just do, you do it because you agree, that's not submission really. Because that's already where you are. You're cool with that. But how many know as a leader, watch this now, that how many of you have been here for a minute? For those of you who don't know what a minute is, it's like for like a while, month. Slang term, you know. See, I got to talk like that because I got to reach all people. See, that's how they talk nowadays. I ain't seen, I mean, the first time I heard that guy walked up to me and said, I ain't seen you for a minute. Man, I ain't seen you for 10 years. We talking about minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way we talk nowadays. I got to get with that, okay? Amen. A minute. So if somebody said a minute, they're really talking about a long time. See, now y'all got me all off. I don't even know where I am. What, what was I saying? <laughs> all right. So don't, all right. And so, see, y'all got me all off. See, that's your fault. Hallelujah. All right. So, so be submissive. So we're talking about this issue. We're talking about this issue of, of submitting. Now, here's the issue. How many of you have been here and you said, well, uh, Pastor, there's some things you've done that I don't agree with. That's okay. You can raise your hand. I'm just asking. Have you, oh, so everybody agree with everything I do? So far. Wow. Then I'm doing pretty good. I mean, my goodness. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Well, they keep hanging around. Cause I guarantee- now, I know I should have got at least one hand in here, but I ain't going to say nothing. And I need to see that hand high. Don't let me have the exposure. No, I'm just kidding. There it is. <laughs> well, she works the closest with me, right? So, so Sister Di would get my good. See, Sister Di would see my good, my bad. She sees everything. Because she's really like the administrative assistant in the church. So she sees like all the stuff y'all don't see. She see everything, my mistakes, and, you know, she'll let me know. Well, I'll do this, Pastor, but, you know, I, I, in my, I don't think you should, but that's what you want. You know, she tell me right up. All right? Now, well, watch this. So you're not going to agree. And now, now, the very reason why, and I want you to think with me, think logically for a second. The very reason why the writer in Hebrews suggests to the people, to the folks there, he says, now, obey those that have the rule over you and be submissive. Then you got it. It's implying that there at least was a temptation for some to not do that. Right. Would that be the implication? There's a temptation for those who are there to say, I, I don't want to do it. So what the writer is saying, obey those that have the rule over you. Because you're not. Here's what he's saying. You are not going to agree with everything they say. And they do. And I will tell you that. You're always being all too kind because you go back and you really think about it. You probably disagree with something. You just ain't thought about it enough. But at some point, you're going to disagree with church. You're going to disagree with leadership within the church. Then the question is, we're not talking about major issues like, you know, uh, you know, the question Christ and who he is and what he's done. We're talking about like, you know. Pastor, I wish you would have painted the building purple. And we said, no, we ain't painting it purple. We're going to paint it tan. Some people would get mad and they would leave the church over stuff like that. They, you, you think I'm, I'm, I'm serious. But I don't, well, I want you to do this. I want you to play this, this style of music. I like this style better. People get upset about that. I'm going to find me a church to play the style of music I want. But then here's the thing, though. You go to that church, you, they'll, they'll do that you like, then there'll be something else to come up that you ain't going to like. Then what you going to do? So you're going to be spending the rest of your life on this wheel? I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. 
there is no perfect church, and if there is one, you better not join it because you will screw it up royally because you're not perfect. Amen? There are no perfect people. Now, watch this. So he says, remember those and be submissive. Now, here's the thing about what good leaders are, are supposed to do. Good leaders in the church. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Elders, pastors, leaders. And if you do a study of the Greek, overseer, elder, pastor, because the pastor is really only used once in the New Testament. And if you do a study of it, it's the same word as elder, overseer, bishop. It's the same, it's the same connotation. For they must watch over your souls as those who must give an account. So those who are God's leaders in the church, they have to give an account to God for what they do. That's why you see me a lot of times. Now, you all haven't seen it. Some of you, most of y'all, a lot of you are new. Some of you have been here for a while. You know, we'll have, we'll, every now and then we have somebody come in who's a guest speaker. But there are a lot of people. I just want, I, I've had several. I got several people right now that want to come. I don't tell you that. They call me and say, hey, pal, I want to come to your church and minister. And I said, no. I said to myself, oh, no. That's why I just consider that. But I already know right up front. Now, why, 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 why am I that way? Well, it says here because leaders got to give an account. I'm accountable for everything that comes over this pulpit. Leaders are accountable for what's being taught. What we teach on, for example, when we teach on Wednesday nights, you know, Sister Hubbard, she helped. I know what she's teaching. We are on the same page. I trust her. I trust their judgment. I trust what she preached. I know it's going to be consistent. We're not doing double talk here. Okay? But leaders have to give an account. So if I act stupid, then one of the things that you, one of the best weapons you can do, or one of the best, I shouldn't say weapons, probably a stronger word, one of the things you can do is get on knees and pray. Say, Lord, pastor, he lost it. He crazy. Lord, pray for him. Get him right. If the church spend more time praying for their leaders, which are imperfect, I think the leaders will be better leaders. It is so easy to sit in that position and criticize what's going on up here. It is the easiest thing. To, I've been there. I've done it. I, I'm, I'm just saying, I've been there and done it. And it's so easy to sit there and say, well, you know, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It is so easy until you have to assume the responsibility yourself. You have it all on your shoulders. It's a whole different story. You have to give an account. I was on vacation sitting on the beach. My wife had to jump on me because she said, put the phone down. Because I'm always thinking about the ministry. Can't ever put it down. Always thinking, always thinking. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How is such and such doing? I haven't heard from them in a while. What are they doing? What's going on with them? Because I have to give an account. Because I'm praying for you. you. Listen, if you're in the church, then you need to make sure that you have leadership that prays for you. You hear me? Leadership that prays for you. If you have leadership that's not praying for you, that's not good leadership. It's not good leadership. When I tell you that I pray for you and others in this church pray for you, other leaders, we are praying for you. I don't tell you I'm praying for you and don't pray. So you ever ask me, because it's my responsibility, I have to watch. I have to give an account for that. And I am much more afraid of God than I am you. Do you hear me? I'm afraid of him. <laughs> All right, now watch this. So, so they must give watch for souls as they, who, uh, I'm sorry, 
Obey those who are the rule of you and be submissive, for they watch, over your, uh, watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. Y'all know y'all can make it hard on your leaders in church. Either let them do it with joy and not with grief, for that will be unprofitable for you. You see how God has kind of locked us in together? So the better your leadership is able to function in what God has called your leadership to do, the more profitable it is for you. You hear me? And, and, we don't, and, and one of the things that we want to make sure that we're not doing is shooting ourselves in the foot. Because, for example, if you consider this is a place that God is blessing you, God is feeding you, then you want to make sure that you are committed to making sure it stays healthy. You ought, to be, you, ought to, you ought to be committed to say, I'm going to make sure this church stays healthy. It keeps going firm. It keeps going strong because it's benefiting me. And it is something that God has placed in my life to help my spiritual growth. And I am committed to it because I believe God has called me to it. Now, if you don't believe God has called you to it, don't, don't bother. You better get where you believe God has placed you. You hear me? You hear me? All right. So watch this. Now, look at 1 Peter chapter 5. We're almost done. 1 Peter chapter number 5. So you're talking about leaders. Watch this. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Verses 1 through 4. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will, will, that will be revealed. Shepherd, that word means to oversee, to guard, to lead the flock of God, which is among you, seeing, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd which he implies that, they, that the leaders or the elders or the pastors, they are the under-shepherds, because he says they're the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so Paul is exhorting the elders to shepherd the flock, to lead, not for dishonest gain. Now, I know that there are some who, who do that. I understand that. And, and we need to pray for those. We need to pray for those who are, you know, there are crooks in the body of Christ. I hate to say that. You know that, don't you? There are crooked leaders in the body of Christ. You know that, don't you? And we talked about not lording over. This is not something where we're trying to control. Leaders are not called to be controlling over people. They're called to lead and encourage and inspire. Good leadership always inspires, amen? Good leadership inspires. Just like when I watch the Cowboys, I get inspired. Look at Acts chapter 20 real quick. Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30. I'm just giving you some verses I want you to take a look at. And we're going we're gonna to close it here. And uh, I just wanted to, to lay the proper foundation. But Acts chapter number 20, verse 28 through 30. Now, Paul was speaking to the church of Ephesus, there were elders. 
the church of Ephesus is the same epistle, same book that is Ephesians. You know what we just finished Ephesians? It's Ephesus, same book, same people. Well, Paul was, was getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He had spent a lot of time ministering to them. And Paul, right before he was headed to Jerusalem, he wanted to talk specifically with the elders of a church, with the leaders of a church. Now, watch what he says here. He says, in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 30, you there? Okay. He said, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Who made them overseers? So who calls people to be in leadership in church? There you go. God, the Holy Spirit, however you want to say it. He calls people to be in leadership. And so, so Paul, now I want you to hear something, because this speaks to our role as leaders in the church. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. That means the word shepherd. It's, you see the imagery God always used as it relates to the people of God? Uh, wolves, sheep, shepherd. Those are imagery that he always used to describe how the body of Christ is a function, <clears throat> which he purchased with his own blood. So who does the church belong to? Come on, who does the church belong to? Who purchased the church with his blood? Did Pastor Bailey purchase the church with his blood? Oh, I did not. The church don't belong to me. How me know this church don't belong to me? I'm just a servant who was called by God to lead a people that want to be led by me. That's it. I'm just a servant. And you know, I'm comfortable with that. Do you hear me? I'm very comfortable with that. Now watch this. Shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, for, for I know. Now listen to what he says to the elders at Ephesus. He says, now for I know this, that after my departure, salvage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Salvage wolves. Now, I don't know a whole lot about wolves, but the imagery there is very violent. Salvage wolves. These are wolves that come in. Now watch, what is, what is the purpose of these wolves? Let me just keep looking. For I know this, that after my departure, verse 29, salvage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Watch this. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking what? Perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. <sighs> Did y'all hear that? So, a primary responsibility of the leaders in the church is to help guard and take care of the people that God had entrusted to them. So a good, a good leader will want to know what's going on, who's teaching you what? Where did you hear that from? Because we're responsible. You know, as a pastor, I'm responsible to guard I mean, and, and so, so we can't have people reckless just come up and just say all kind of stuff because, I mean, no, people sometimes hang on your every word. And people will, it's easy to get led astray. But Paul said the imagery here is a wolf. Now, anything you know about a wolf and they when they attack lambs, it's pretty violent. He looks at false doctrine and deception as being something that's very violent. And I mean, no, you can't play with wolves. Do you hear me? Because a wolf will tear you to pieces. 
You can't play. If you're a sheep in the Bible refers to imagery that he uses that we're sheep. He said, take heed to the flock to which God has made you overseers because there's some wolves that are coming in. And Paul was saying, as soon as I leave, he spoke to the elders. He said, now, as soon as I go, they're coming in. And they're going to, he's, he's some going to rise up from within and they're going to say perverse things to lead away the people of God. So how many know you need to, you need, you need, you need to, you need to respect your leaders. You need to pray for your leaders. You need to make sure your leaders are in a position where they can do what they need to do for your benefit. Now watch this. Salvage wolves will come in. And they will not spare the flock. How many know when people have an agenda, when the enemy comes in, he ain't sparing the flock. When he want to lead you astray, he will lead you. I mean, he comes, the, the devil, how many know you can't play with the devil? He never comes with a little, he, don't, he never wants a little bit. You give a devil a little bit, he'll take a, he'll, he'll just, he'll rip it apart. I've gotten to a point now that, see, my, my trust is in Christ and Christ alone. It's never been in people. I've learned that in ministry. I had to learn the hard way. I remember when I, when I had first got started, I remember one time somebody left, and I remember one time just kind of, when it first happened, it was, <laughs> we were crying a little bit. Like, oh, God, what are we going to do now? I am so far beyond that. Because... God is ultimately in control. It's, it's his church. Just his servant. Just his servant. And, and our job as leaders is to make sure that you are protected. That's why, see, I could be, see, Wednesday, I could, see we could have made Wednesday night, and we talked uh, to the Hubbards about this, but we could have made Wednesday night just like any other Wednesday night service. Everybody, we just have a worship service, just make it really, really kind of, everybody sing and just kind of hear the preacher preach and everybody go home. Now, we decided to make our Wednesday, our Wednesday a time where people get equipped so that you can watch out for the wolves that come in sheep clothing. So I'd rather you be equipped and know your stuff than to entertain you and make you feel really good and give you an emotional high walking on the door. You're emotionally charged, but go home. There's no substance to help carry you through the week. I mean, well, you want substance. You need to be carried. You don't need an emotional high. You need something that's going to last. Hallelujah. So we want to give you meat. So, so watch this. So last, the last verse you're looking at. Now watch this. The first Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. If you get there, you can say Amen. You all, you, you all just been in this word today like crazy. Isn't that great? Don't you love the word? Amen. First Timothy chapter number five, verse 17. Watch this. Let the elders, starting in verse 17, who rule or govern, who govern well, be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in the what? Word and what? Doctrine. All right? For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, not only does scripture is talking about, now I want you, I want you to, to, to look up for a second. I want you, I want you to, I want to, I want to drive this point home. 
The Bible says, let those who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Now, in the context of this verse, it's really talking about being taken care of, being paid well. The Bible has ordained that those who preach the gospel live by the gospel. That's a fact. But not only is it speaking there about taking care of your leaders, but also, more importantly, that you honor your leaders, particularly those. Now, interesting what he says. He says, particularly those who labor in the word and doctrine and teaching. One thing that I think is very, very important, somebody will say to me, well, I don't, you know, and, and you know, people, it's funny because people automatically assume that uh, people or leaders want to be kind of like put on the pedestal. Anybody who's known me for a minute, y'all know what that is? Y'all know what that means now, right? Anybody known me for a minute? No, that's not the case at all. But I do believe that leadership, leaders within the church should be honored, particularly by the body that it serves, because they give their lives for the service of the people that God has placed them to, to teach, to train, and to equip. Because when leadership is honored, you see, when everything falls in place, then we align ourselves to be blessed by God. You become blessed. You follow me? Because you honor your leadership. Now, now, why do we say all that we said here today? Because you and I both know that one of the problems that we have in the local church is a respect for leadership and authority within the church. Mainly, and, and again, some of it has been brought on by some of folks who have done wrong. I understand that. But how many of you know that we just can't discount everything and say that everybody is like that? But there's a blessing when we honor the leaders that God placed over us. There's a blessing in that. And the scripture says they are to be counted worthy of double honor. Not because they're somebody extra special, just because of God, God who appointed them. And he says this is the way that these leaders are to be taken care of. Because when the leaders are taken care of, then they take care of their people. You see, the more you, you see, the more ragged, watch this, the more ragged, the more rundown your leader is or your leaders are. And when you don't do your part, that means that everybody else has to do more work. Then tell me, how does that benefit you if I have to, let's just say, for example, as a leader, if I have to do a whole lot of little things, then I'm not really spending time in prayer and Bible study and preaching that you all, I hope, like. You want a good, strong leadership team, people who are elders and leaders that lead well, then if you want them to lead well, do your part. Do your part. We're not asking you to do anything. Just do your part to make sure that it happens. Because we want to be a people. Listen, we don't want, we don't want nothing that God is building to be torn apart because of a disregard for the authority that God has placed in the church. We all have a responsibility to make sure that our church stays healthy, that our church grows and becomes everything God wants it to be. And so we have to guard against wool. We have to guard against that. We have to guard against people that come in with certain agendas as a local body, as a people. And we want to be an example to the world out there to let them know that we're one church. I can't speak for everybody else, but this is one church where we ain't fighting each other. Amen? 
This is one church we ain't bickering and arguing at each other. No, we ain't got none of that. Good. Nobody's here talking about me, and I'm not talking about you, except good. I got a lot of good things to say about all of you. I mean, I just I love you. Even the ones that are not here today, they're on vacation. I got remember good things to say about the people. I mean, we've had this this church is the, is beginning to take root and take off. And God is let me let me say let me say this. And here's the thing: you are. Can I just talk to you for a minute? You are a part of it. Some, some have been here and seen the labor and the hard work that we've had to do. And it's hard doing this. But let me tell you, God is doing something in our midst that every one of us can be a part of and, and you can take with you to heaven. You hear me? The work that you do, the time, the effort that you put in, you are laying up treasures in heaven for yourself. So let's seize the opportunity. Let's be supportive of our church. Let's keep our house clean. Amen. Let's keep our stuff in order because now nobody can say, well, I don't know, because if fail to do it God's way means that we're disobeying God. Do you hear me? And when we disobey God, then we all know that there's no blessing when we don't follow through on what God has told us to do. He's told us to obey your leaders. Submit to them. Whether in the church whether in the community, whether on your job. We are people that we do the right thing. Now, we're not, we're not crazy. We don't just follow blindly. I'm not saying that. You all know I'm not saying that, right? That, that there are some things you got to concern with. You need to be able to voice that. Don't just sit back and just be like, you know, no. If you got concerns, come talk. Please, come talk. Nine times out of ten, we can work out whatever your issue is in most cases. So, Hallelujah. So the leaders of a church is accountable to the congregation. The congregation affirms their authority and allow them to lead. God ordained leaders, elders, pastors to lead the church, overseers. And if we flow in that spirit and allow God, let Jesus Christ lead his church, then we're all blessed. And so I want to encourage you this morning to, to pray. Pray for us. Pray for our leadership. Pray for this church. Pray for your church. Pray earnestly that God will have his way because what God is doing, we're on the precipice of something absolutely wonderful. And uh, we just need to keep at it. Amen. Let's just keep at it. So every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Father, we